0: section six of the major symptoms of hysteria this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the major symptoms of hysteria by pierre janet lecture six motor agitations contractures disturbances in the motor functions of the limbs apparent exaggeration of motion the phenomenon of tics rhythmical careers the absence of will, of consciousness, anaesthesia, the diagnosis, the tremors, the contractures, clinical importance of this accident, the part played by mental phenomena, the degradation of the movements in these hysterical accidents. Hysteric neuroses, the history of which we are pursuing, very often present accidents of quite another nature, which at first sight seem to be different from somnambulisms. These accidents do not affect the whole of the body and of the mind like the former. They seem only to disturb certain functions, and, in particular, the accidents we consider today appear only to disturb the motor functions of the limbs. In spite of the disturbances seated in the arm or leg, the mind may appear, at least in certain cases, absolutely intact, while in somnambulisms the delirium seemed to be general in the second place motor disturbances which we now consider are not momentary but they are lasting instead of appearing like attacks and somnambulisms at determinate moments and disappearing in the interval they may last for a long time for days and months together no matter what the state of the subject may be they may exist during the fits and also exist in the interval so you see that the phenomena are apparently pretty different yet most physicians especially since the end of the last century do not hesitate to connect this ensemble of motor disturbances with the same neurosis with hysteria perhaps we shall be able to justify this diagnosis later on by showing that the mental disturbance is at bottom about the same as in somnambulisms for the present we cannot ground our argumentation on this still unknown character and we are obliged to justify the diagnosis of these disturbances of motion by mere clinical remarks we observe only that they present themselves in the same subjects and in the same conditions as the preceding somnambulisms the patients we shall describe to you today who have had these perversions of motion these agitations or paralyses, are the same whom we already know they had a short time before monoidaic somnambulisms fuse or fits they can still if we choose enter into those hypnotic states which we consider as the reproduction of spontaneous somnambulisms in them these various accidents alternate with one another after a fit they may have spasms or paralysis inversely these disturbances of motion may disappear in a new fit or a new somnambulism no doubt these are not absolutely irrefutable reasons and it will be necessary to complete the diagnosis when we know better the nature of these motor phenomena but after all these reasons are sufficient to induce us while pursuing the study of the hysteric to enter into the examination of these phenomena which these patients often present the motor disturbances that have the preceding characteristic are very various and irregular we could range them into two large groups first phenomena of at least apparent exaggeration of motion which seem to exceed the will of the patient and to develop inopportunely and without his consent and second phenomena of deficiency in which on the contrary motion seems to fail and not to obey the will and consciousness of the subject in the first group which we designate under the general name of motor agitations are to be ranged tics, careers and contractures in the second the strange functional paralysis or paralysis dependent on ideas today we shall study only the first group one you all know the commonplace phenomenon of tics which is to be met under so many circumstances i advise you to keep the french word because i do not find in the english language a good translation you must not fancy that all tics are hysteric there are some epileptic tics and even oftener psychasthenic tics but to confine ourselves to our preceding diagnosis there are some tics that are to be met with in patients who have already had all the preceding forms of somnambulism and that alternate with these somnambulisms these ticks are essentially constituted by little movements of the face head or limbs which appear at random without any relation either to the present circumstances or to the consciousness of the patients this name is generally reserved for rather sudden little movements of short duration and other terms are used when the same involuntary movements have a greater extent these little muscular shakes may present themselves in all parts of the body you may especially notice them in the face They constitute grimaces of a thousand kinds affecting the eyes the nose the mouth the patient puckers his forehead in various ways raises or lowers his eyebrows winks looks sideways by starts he makes his nostrils tremble closes or opens them too much a very interesting patient whom we shall study with more detail today blows violently through his left nostril others seem to wipe their noses or to sneeze their lips suddenly draw to the one side or the other stretch forward or shrink backward or else are continually bitten the upper lip as well as the lower one the ticks of the neck have been brought into notice by being described under the name of psychic stiff neck involuntarily and suddenly the patient inclines his head towards one shoulder or throws it back or bends it forward or turns it on its axis he repeats these movements every two or three seconds in a way which it is impossible to explain or justify by any present reason i do not speak now of the tics related to the visceral functions such as the alimentation or breathing tics i at once pass on to the tics of the limbs in these the arms the hands seem to have taken strange habits they rise suddenly or move backwards the shoulders are shaken convulsively the legs instead of regularly performing the act of walking every moment interrupted by a strange little shake of the knee or foot or toes These little movements, which have innumerable forms, of course impede every action of the arms, and when they occur in the waking state, they often make walking almost impossible. Let us proceed at once, in order not to interrupt the description, to the same kind of involuntary and useless movements that have a greater extent, and for that reason, have been called careers. This distinction is not essential at the bottom, and must not prevent us from putting all the motor agitations in the same group. The first careers that physicians decidedly connected with hysteria were the rhythmical careers thus called because the movements were repeated regularly at determinate intervals like those of a pendulum this kind of rhythmical movements occurs very often in the hysteric fit it constitutes those complications of the simple fit which i have pointed out to you very often the patients without recovering consciousness cease their emotional manifestations to indulge in some odd and perfectly regular gymnastics One of the most commonplace is the salute which charcot described the patient lying on her bed sits up bends her head and body forward sometimes low enough to touch her knees as if she were making a salute then suddenly throws herself back till her head falls on her bed after a moment she begins again she may thus make this salute twenty or forty times a minute for hours together others have malleatory movements of the arm or leg you would think they strike regularly with a hammer others again have saltatory movements either when lying or when standing they appear to jump or dance regularly besides these definite classified movements there are hundreds of others which have no definite name this one clinches her fists and suddenly brings them together towards the middle of her body then separates them and begins again indefinitely another turns her right wrist as if it were fixed to a wheel and so forth indefinitely in all such acts there is always the same rhythmical regularity charcot quoted in reference to this the sentence in hamlet though this be madness yet there's method in it and wished a ballet master might observe and write down the strange and regular movements of the patients these movements have their maximum of strength and rhythmical regularity during the fit but it is characteristic of the motor agitations we speak of that they may very well persist in the interval of the fits the patient speaks correctly he is in possession of the whole of his consciousness has all his recollections can even execute movements with his unharmed limbs but he continues to make the rotary movement with his right hand and bring his two hands into contact or separate them though the more distinct hysteric career is thus characterized by a rhythm you must not fancy that every other career in which there is no rhythm is necessarily outside the great neurosis that was believed formally but this too simple diagnosis had to be reformed no doubt a very irregular career consisting in characterless shakes of the arms and legs occurring without any kind of regularity amidst voluntary movements is usually the common career called career of sydenham with which we have not to deal if however such a career appears in adults or young people after their puberty you must be on your guard for such careers though arrhythmic may very well depend on hysteria a young woman thirty-one years old terrified by an explosion in a factory where she worked presented for more than ten years deliriums fits somnambulisms of all kinds which were unquestionably hysteric amidst these various accidents taking their place or alternating with them she had very long periods of career this career of all the limbs and of the head presented no kind of rhythm and yet we do not hesitate to maintain that it was a hysteric phenomenon like the other accidents of the patient we have noted about twenty quite typical observations of this kind which clearly show that the arrhythmic chorea must be counted among the possible forms of hysteric motor agitation. Its diagnosis then depends not only on the previous and simultaneous accidents, but also on the mental state which accompanies it, and on which we must now insist. 2. Whatever may be the tics or choreic movements that these patients present, you observe a certain number of psychological characteristics accompanying them. Which characteristics are the easier to discern? as these motor accidents continue during the waking state and it is possible to question the subject about what he feels when the movement thus exists during the waking state one can better realize the mental state that accompanies it first of all the will of the subject has no influence on it of course the subject asserts that he does not want at all to make this movement and by all his conduct shows us that he would very much like to be rid of it but he cannot stop it any more than he can produce it the efforts of his will appear powerless By making great efforts he can at most disturb the rhythmical movement make it less regular complicate it with shakes of the rest of his body the movement is not stopped and begins again more regularly when the subject gives up his efforts of will consciousness does not seem to have a great hold on this phenomenon either the subject seems to be scarcely aware of his tick or his career very often he performs it without knowing it even when he is attentive he feels it but little or even not at all when he shuts his eyes he may very well declare that now his arm no longer moves at all while the movement continues with perfect regularity we see those phenomena of insensibility appear here which will play a greater and greater part in hysteric accidents when treating of somnambulism we spoke but little of insensibility in the first place when the somnambulism is at an end this disturbance may fail entirely a somnambulist is not necessarily insensible in the waking state he is merely amnesic It is amnesia that is the stigma of somnambulism, and not anaesthesia. Then, during the somnambulism itself, there is, it is true, a certain anaesthesia, but it is very peculiar and only affects the phenomena which are not connected with the subject's dreams. When we come to motor disturbances, that insensibility which is called hysteric anaesthesia begins to intervene. It may present itself in two ways. Sometimes it is systematic, and bears only on the movement that constitutes the tick or the chorea. The subject does not feel that he moves his forehead or that he strikes his bed regularly with his hand but he feels the other things and in particular is able to tell you that somebody seizes his hand while he is performing the choreic movement notice this systematic anesthesia which will become more and more important sometimes the anesthesia is more important and the whole of the limbs affected with a tick or a chorea is insensible for instance one of the subjects to whom i alluded used to turn his right hand in a circle and had a seesaw movement in his right foot the whole of his right side was nearly insensible these anesthesias this kind of unconsciousness must play a certain part in the diagnosis you will not meet again with the same characteristics in the same degree in ticks of another nature particularly in the ticks of the psychasthenic with the latter the tick while appearing involuntary is accompanied by a great deal of consciousness and attention the subject performs his tick when he thinks of it when he directs his attention to the organ and tries to keep it motionless it seems that with these patients attention increases the tick instead of diminishing it inversely you may observe that distraction sometimes has a good effect when the subject forgets his disease and his mind is absorbed by something else he leaves off performing his tick you see that with him the tick is conscious that it is in connection with thoughts the subject possesses there is therefore no anesthesia in this case The subject feels his movement very well and all that passes in the diseased limb with the hysteric the movement is impeded by attention it develops becomes more complete and regular in a state of distraction it is much oftener accompanied with anaesthesia these characteristics which serve to make the diagnosis also enable us better to understand the nature of the phenomenon in fact the tick and the choreic movement are much more intellectual phenomena than they appear to be We notice many mental phenomena at their beginning exactly as at the beginning of somnambulisms one has had an accident to his face or eye another a pain in his teeth the man who constantly blew through one of his nostrils had had for a long time a scab in his nose consequent upon a bleeding at the nose all the patients who have had mental stiff necks have had some moral impression relating to a movement of the head a girl i am attending now felt very dull at home she worked all day long by a window that looked out into the street her strongest desire was to leave her monotonous work and go out into the street at which she constantly looked at every moment she lifted her eyes from her work and turned her head to the left in order to see what was going on in the street she gradually felt that her head constantly turned to the left and even maintained that her hat was too heavy on that side an absurd diagnosis the application of a plaster bandage had singularly aggravated her state and now she has a bad mental stiff neck on her right side these ideas these more or less definite mental phenomena which existed at the beginning persist throughout the development of the tic or the career let us return to a singular story which i have often related it tells how the rhythmic career of that girl of sixteen had begun who kept on turning her right wrist and regularly raising and lowering her right foot one evening on the eve of the quarter day she had heard her parents who were poor work people bewailing their poverty and the difficulty they had in paying their landlord she was very much moved and from that time she had at night a kind of somnambulism during which she tumbled and tossed in her bed and repeated aloud i must work i must work now what was the work of this girl she had a singular trade which was to make dolls eyes and for this purpose she worked a lathe by treading a pedal with her foot and turning a flywheel with her right hand during her nocturnal somnambulism she made this movement of the hand and of the foot but this movement was evidently accompanied with a corresponding state of consciousness which she repeated aloud i must work it was a simple somnambulic action like all those we have studied on awaking she no longer has any recollection or consciousness of her dream but the movement continues exactly the same on her right side is it not likely that it is still accompanied with a state of consciousness of the same kind we can make this state of consciousness evident by certain experiments which we know now how to effect by hypnotizing the subjects you find again dreams that account very well for the continuation of the tick for instance a young woman comes to complain of a pretended vertigo it appears that in the street every hundred steps she feels herself as it were precipitated forward that she suddenly takes a leap and has often fallen while taking it what a strange vertigo in a state of induced somnambulism she relates to us what follows once she went to her parents who sharply reproached her for her irregular conduct on going out of their house she took a resolution that simplifies many things she made up her mind to commit suicide and in a dream of course for she was happily for her hysteric to a high degree she fancied she had got upon the parapet on the bank of the seine took a leap and was awakened by a fall to the ground in all such cases the existence of a system of images that works unknown to the subject is undeniable the difficulty is greater in the case of great uncoordinated careers in which all the motor functions seem to take a part it is no longer merely a special thought a system of images that seems to develop outside of consciousness it is a function in its entirety the function of moving the arm or leg that seems to emancipate itself let us notice for the present this phenomenon which appears to us for the first time it will become clearer and clearer through new studies Three indeed the problem raised by such dissociated motor activities working separately outside of consciousness becomes singularly complicated when we examine other forms they may assume which are among the most important phenomena of hysteria i refer to tremors and contractures in a very great number of cases hystericals have other disturbances of motility than ticks and careers their limbs are affected with a strange agitation differing from the preceding ones For example they are seized with tremors the arm has regular little oscillations of an average rate of five to nine a second these oscillations are nearly continual there are some subjects with whom they never stop either when they rest or when they move there are some others with whom these tremors are intermittent disappearing at the time of voluntary activity and increasing at the time of diversion and rest but it is not possible to establish any rule For you often observe the reverse in the form of intentional trembling analogous to that of disseminated sclerosis the subject almost motionless when at rest begins to tremble when he seeks to perform a movement figure seven these tremors occur under various conditions sometimes gradually after paralytic phenomena very often suddenly after an emotion one of the finest cases i have observed is that of a workman who in consequence of the breaking of a scaffolding remained suspended at the height of a sixth floor others began to tremble after a fright after receiving bad news in one of my observations the tremor which began in the right arm was consequent on a dream the subject fancied he was pushing back an assassin with his right arm in some rare cases you can find behind the tremors as behind the ticks the existence of a fixed idea separated from consciousness a woman who presented an intense tremor of the right hand at last confessed that this tremor had appeared in consequence of her having long practiced automatic writing in order to question spirits it was enough to put a pencil in her right hand for the tremor to cease and to be transformed into writing so we had certainly to deal with a kind of tick with an incomplete subconscious action which assumed the appearance of a tremor But in most cases there is nothing behind the tremor but a vague emotive state and a kind of transformation of the motor function of the limb it is what we observe in a higher degree in the exceedingly serious phenomenon of hysteric contractures you know that the history of this phenomenon may be said to begin with the lessons of brodie eighteen thirty seven lectures illustrative of certain local nervous affections then we have the works of coulson eighteen fifty one of paget eighteen seventy seven of charcot of la of paul richet this history corresponds to the evolution of the greatest problems of medicine for physicians have been led gradually to separate the hysteric contractures from all the osseous articular medullary and nervous affections with which they were formerly confounded it amounts to saying that this problem is connected with everything in medicine this contracture is a state of moderate contraction of an ensemble of muscles which maintains a limb in a determinate position and that in an involuntary unconscious and indefinite manner such contractures can be observed on absolutely all the muscles of the body and in each region they raise medical problems which i can only point out to you in the eyes they determine the spasm of the orbicularis and the occlusion of the eyelids at the mouth they are located very often on only one side and they bring on the distortion of the face in both cases they must be carefully distinguished from paralytic phenomena which they simulate From the ptosis of the eyelids, which fall passively instead of contracting, and from the paralysis of one side of the face, which equally causes the face to deviate to the opposite side. You know the importance of the ptosis of the eyelids and of the unilateral paralysis of the face. The diagnosis is of capital importance. The contracture may be seated in the neck, back, abdomen, or thorax, and in each place new problems arise. Here it simulates diseases of the vertebrae, deviations of the vertebral column, Here, it transforms the breathing and causes you to believe there is pulmonary disease. In other cases, it assumes the appearance of all possible tumors of the abdomen. It is these contractures which originate the great medical errors of which hysteria is the occasion. As regards the limbs, we have the contractures of the legs, of the hip, with the important problem of the white tumor of the knee and of tuberculous coxalgae. I think the most expert physician ought never to boast that he will make no mistake when he has to decide between hysteric coxalgae and tuberculous coxalgae. As regards the arms, the difficulty is not so serious in general, and yet you must beware of false luxations of the shoulder, of arthritis, and of cysts of the elbow or wrist. There is not a more important clinical problem than that of contractures. Curiously enough, we also meet here with an important psychological problem, with a question that is certainly one of the most obscure of pathological psychology. It is obvious that a certain number of the phenomena connected with these contractures are very clear. First we know that contractures are consequent, like all hysteric phenomena, on thoughts and emotional phenomena. A shock has no action in this direction except when it determines great phenomena of imagination. I will explain myself. An individual has his legs in a state of contracture because he says a carriage ran over them after verification it is found that the carriage passed beside him and that he felt nothing at all a real shock would do less than this imaginary shock according to all the observations that have been made the production of a contracture requires exactly as does that of a somnambulism some emotion some fear for the future some terror some dream etc it is the same with the cure of these contractures in certain cases they persist indefinitely i have two cases which lasted for thirty years in other cases they are suddenly cured through influences that are incomprehensible if one does not take into account imagination and emotion these diseases are among those which make the fortune of religious relics and miraculous springs when you hear a story about a cripple with hard shrivelled legs twisted under his body who was rolled to the spring in a low carriage and got up again bearing away his carriage on his shoulders you need not have the least hesitation in pronouncing the case one of hysteric contractures if you are fond of erudition i recommend you to read the admirable book of Carre de montgeron on the miracles wrought in the cemetery of saint medard on the tomb of deacon paris 1737. it is also phenomena of this kind that physicians have cured in determinate conditions by all sorts of processes by the electric current by magnets by the application of metallic plates by merely speaking to the patients. so there are a great many psychological phenomena as well at the end as at the beginning of contractures. you also meet with some during the time the phenomenon itself lasts. first of all, the contracture is more frequently systematic, at least at its beginning, than is generally believed. the limb is not stiff in every position. depending on the unequal strength of the different muscles, it keeps a particular attitude requiring a certain harmony of permanent contractions. A woman has seen in the hospital an individual who has died of tetanus she reproduces his attitude and keeps her head thrown back another of whom i have often spoken constantly keeps both her feet extended in the position of christ on the cross she has moreover a religious delirium in which she thinks herself crucified she has crises of somnambulism and catalepsy in which her trunk arms and head remain for hours together absolutely in the attitude they must have in a crucified person during these crises the entire attitude decidedly corresponds to a delirium and to thoughts when in the interval of the crises the feet alone keep the contracture it is very likely that something of the delirium persists from another point of view we may notice that the contracture varies with certain psychological facts if the subject is very quiet if nobody touches her contractured limb and if she herself does not try to make a voluntary movement we may see that the contracture decreases and that the limb unbends lastly we may observe in contractures many forms of insensibility the subject does not feel the fatigue of this permanent contracture very often she does not feel anything at all in her contractured limb in a word you see that we may notice in contractures a great number of facts analogous to those we have observed in ticks and careers showing us a kind of abnormal functioning of a psychological system which in some way or other has become independent i must however add that we meet here with a new difficulty the germ of which indeed was already to be found in careers and tremors let us try with our sound limbs to copy the attitude of a rhythmic career and register our movements accurately you will find that you are much more awkward than a hysteric person and that unless you have practiced specially to this end you cannot obtain the same regularity try to keep your arm in the position of a hysteric contracture and describe the movement of the arm You will remark that you have not the same perseverance or courage as the patient after a short time your arm trembles and is displaced while the hysteric contracture has not changed if therefore we suppose there is a psychic action in these hysteric phenomena it must be acknowledged that this action is not identical with ours but that it is performed in other conditions here is my hypothesis think of it what you please The actions that are manifested by muscular movements present different degrees of perfection corresponding to the development and systematization of the consciousness that accompanies them. These degrees of perfection are manifested first of all by psychological characteristics of the action, delicacy, harmony, usefulness of the act, but it is also manifested by properties of the movements themselves. The muscular movement of a draughtsman's hand is not the same as the muscular movement of a dog's or a crocodile's paw. There are some particular physiological properties accompanying the perfection of the act. Some are known, the rapidity of the contraction is much greater, and in particular the rapidity of the decontraction, of the fall of the muscle, is much more considerable. In the muscles of the lower animals, the contraction takes place slowly and disappears slowly. We see also the same modifications of the muscular contraction brought about by fatigue. By repetition, muscular contraction changes, becomes slower has a long period of decontraction as in the case of lower animals i even think excuse the temerity of these suppositions that there must be in these different muscles and in these different states of activity of the muscle some anatomical differences great stress has been laid recently on the two organs that exist in the muscular fiber the fibrils which give short contractions and the sarcoplasm which gives long and permanent contractions the latter predominates in the smooth fibers of the viscera The former in the striated muscles of the voluntary movements i suppose that it will be possible later on to observe some modifications in the proportion of these two substances in the muscles of different animals according to their state of evolution and in the different states of the same muscles in rest or in fatigue for instance now action by becoming unconscious in hysterics by separating from consciousness loses something of its dignity retrogrades in a manner and assumes an appearance that recalls the action of the visceral muscles the action of the lower animals and the movements of the fatigued muscles as if the activity of the sarcoplasm prevailed over that of the fibrils this is what in my opinion gives to the subconscious actions of the hysteric those abnormal characteristics we saw in tremors and contractures it is this general idea that prepares us for the examination of the phenomenon of hysteric paralysis End of section 6